0: This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger sales podcast, part two with Fred Shadian. Once again, this is part of the Blogathon we're doing, which is a 24-hour blogging and podcasting marathon where we're raising money for the MSMF Foundation. We're building a school in India. So for those of you listening to this on July 26, 2008, please stop by closingbigger.net and make a contribution or at least post a few notes of encouragement as I stay up for a complete 24 hours blogging about sales leadership. So, Fred Shadian, we talked earlier about plateaus and about heroes. And one of the other things I want to talk about is maintaining a peak level of energy in our life and how that impacts our success. So, if maybe you could sort of talk about your strategies and the importance of that to our audience.
1: Absolutely, Shane. Thank you for part two here. And make sure you stay awake, buddy. Yeah, Uh, we're all rooting for you. And uh, you got what is it? Nine hours to go.
0: I promise I won't start snoring while you're talking. Honestly, (laughs) no,
1: that ain't going (laughs) to happen. Because I'm going to put you in a peak state right now, buddy.
0: Awesome. So being
1: in a peak state is basically one of my favorite things. Is that's where I first met you? Is um, eighteen years ago. When you were uh, 16 years old and your brother was 14 years old, and you guys kind of shattered my brain of breaking uh... the firewalking record because we've never had anybody in Canada before that that had firewalk to my knowledge that was under uh, 19 years old because we had to do the whole release with the lawyers and all that stuff. And uh, you guys stepped up to the plate and said, Hey, we want to do this because the flyer says, stretch your limit. So I had to kind of stretch my limit because that's what that was the name of the seminar. And then we were teaching people you know, teaching myself, you know, whatever you teach is what you need. That's why I love doing what I teach because that's what I'm always working on. And then um, one of the biggest things is, is movement, is to be able to move. And that's what got me excited about studying nutrition because, you know, when I was studying a lot of nutrition, I found out how the bi- biology affects our physiology because the lymphatic system is the only system that does not have a pump. And the only way to get the lymphatic system moving is either by bouncing up and down on a rebounder or standing, you know, bouncing up and down or walking or running or getting an inverter bed and flipping upside down. So that's why you'll see a lot of executives at their peak, <clears throat> you know, working out. It's a way to flush out the acidity out of the body. It's the way to get the lungs breathing, to be in nature, you know, we've gone on many hikes together for that reason, because it allows you to breathe in, to be connected with around you. So movement is the catch to being into peak performance. So that's the first step. First step, there's a resonance in the lymphatic system, and this is not like some kind of a funky theory. This is like real quantum science here where the the energy starts moving through the lymphatic and then it allows the white blood cells and the red blood cells to start accelerating and then as that starts moving you don't have the depression or you don't have the stagnation that most people might have and that's the opposite of being in a peak state and enthusiasm is contagious so and misery loves company so all those things always stuck in my head so if you want to hang out with certain people you want to be able to hang out with certain people that are going to motivate you and you want to motivate them it's kind of a give or take you know, it's a win-win situation. So that's the biggest thing: is to be performance, movement, and who you hang out with makes it, it determines what your attitude about life is all about.
0: Excellent. So we've got movement, and of course, movement is, as is, is the old saying goes, motion creates emotion, the physiology, and you know, Absolutely. we attract what we are, not what we want. In a lot of cases, so we resonate with that. We attract those people to our life. So that's part of having peak energy: is that movement. What other thoughts do you have here? We've got, you know, a lot of people are tuning in, are entrepreneurs, salespeople, executives who listen to this podcast. What other tips do you have for them in regards to energy management or increasing your level of energy to help them be able to produce better results? Because as we know nowadays, uh, you know, it's not it's just about time management, it's often about energy management. So how do we increase <laughs> that? What else do we do? What's the other steps?
1: Absolutely. See, when I say movement, then I talked a lot about the body and the lymphatic system. Also, the the movement in the mind is very very important, because when he's you, you know like when we were growing up, we the the older generation was highly highly respected. Not unfortunately, not as much as now. But I still seek. A lot of my mentors are in their 80s and 90s, and and uh, you know different ages. You know, it's, it's very important because they have that wisdom of an active mind, and they do they do some kind of a ritual besides walking they read, they attend workshops, they attend seminars, they have intelligent conversations with their friends and their family around dinner time. So those are part of it because there isn't just like one magic bullet. You know, we could get totally excited like we do in the firewalk, say yes, 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 ten times and just boom, clap your hands, fire off an anchor, pow, you're totally excited, energized, ready to take on the world. But then after 10 minutes, you might be burnt out. So that's that t- that energy management you're referring. Yeah, you could, you could set all the time you want for time management, but if you don't have the energy to do it, it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the activity of seeing in your mind's eye where you're going. Okay, you know, That's why one of my favorite quotes is when vision is clear, abundance will appear because when you're very, very clear on where it is you're going, you know, doors will open where doors that you didn't even know were there, and things begin to unfold, it's almost like a flower, you know, you, you want to do something, and you don't even know how you want to do it, and you get there, and all of a sudden, somebody out of nowhere, you've never met before, shows up, or somebody goes, take a left, take a right, boom, and you're, you know, this happened so many times in my life, that I don't even consider that as a, you know, as an accident, because I think it's all synchronicity, things happen for that reason. So by having that mental clarity of movement plus your physiology and then having some kind of solo time, you know, uh, for breathing, for drinking, good water, eating good food, hanging out with good people, it all kind of like adds up. So it's not just one thing, it's multiple things that we want to look at it as a whole dynamic. Because if you affect one part of the dynamic, you affect the complete whole.
0: Excellent. That's powerful stuff. And as we talk about energy management and increasing our energy, and I know we've mentioned this before a bit, the power of association, but also our own conversations, how important is our own mental programming to impact the level of energy. And, and what are some of your suggestions for our listeners to really enhance their own mental programming, to get to higher levels of energy?
1: Mm. Well, there was an amazing book called Peak Performance by Charles Goldfield. Unfortunately, it's out of print, but you can find it on on the Internet. And that, that book is um, it's phenomenal. It's just shaped my life in many ways. Because I've talked to a lot of amazing martial artists and a lot of amazing athletes, and I asked them, besides the physical attributes you need to know, to kick, punch, kick a soccer ball, play hockey, skate, you know, all that. How much of that is mental? And it never fails. The people in the top, top of the top, the peak, like the echelon, they all said 80 to 90% of the game is mental. It's based on mental training. And it always stuck in my head. I was talking to one of Bruce Lee's uh, top students, and I asked him about speed. He said, yeah, you're pretty fast, Fred, but I could... Show you a couple of techniques that will make you even faster. I'm like, "Okay, well, what do I gotta do? like punch a thousand times, uh, do a thousand push ups He's like, "Ah, oh, no, no, we're not gonna do any of that you already you've already done a lot. We're gonna do something slightly different. I want you to see the punch going out before you do it and i so I started practicing that and all of a sudden, my speed went up, and that's one of the records we set doing you know doing three to four hits per second because of that activity, which totally shifted the way I was thinking. So, mentally rehearsing, and that's where the word shadow boxing comes from. You hear that commonly used shadow boxing, especially around martial arts and uh, even in business, they talk about shadow boxing. But that term came together in the late 1800s, early 1900s, with James Tunney when he was fighting uh, Dempsey. And Dempsey was like a superstar boxer that he was totally undefeated. And um, Tunney was much lighter than him, he was like about 190 pounds, and he was fighting a heavyweight which was unheard of back then. And he, when they asked him how did he knock him out, when he knocked out Dempsey, he said he mentally shadowboxed round after round after round after round for thousands of rounds for over three years. He shadowboxed that he was going to knock him out, and then he did it. And you see athletes doing for long-distance running. You see um, executives You know, they see how the meeting wants to go before they get there. How can I make this a win-win in a situation where it's not moving in the right direction? So by mentally rehearsing the outcome you'd like to see, you'll walk in with a different vibration than being in a chaotic uh, situation trying to get the best deal for yourself. How can I make an impact on my community by me selling this product, or, you know, promoting this company or increasing the the, the amount of the organization. How could I make a, a dynamic shift that will impact everybody that is involved? And that's what your ta- dad, uh, Bill Gibson, told me years ago. It's called relationship selling. He was talking about it 20 years ago, you know, 18 years ago when I met you guys. He was talking about it. now as people are catching up to it. He was like one of the first people I knew – that was talking about relationship sellings because that's affecting the whole community as you enter into it
0: fantastic fred well look fred thanks a lot again and this sort of concludes part 2 of of our podcast with fred shadian uh on our blogathon uh once again we've got part 3 coming up uh very briefly be uploaded and uh you know if you're visiting this uh or listening to this through iTunes or you've downloaded this and you haven't been to closingbigger.net If you're listening to this today, which is July 26, 2008, I urge you to visit the website and contribute to the charity we're blogging for for 24 hours called MSMF.